Canada Conversations is brought to you by Deloitte Canada, helping you navigate the complex challenges your company faces through recovery and enabling you to thrive in the new normal. To learn more, visit Deloitte.ca. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the November 6th, 2020 episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. I'm your host, Greg Layson the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. My guest today is still relatively new to his job. He took the helm of the organization on August 1st amid the COVID-19 pandemic. In his position, it's his job to, quote, represent the interests of the Detroit 3 automakers here in Canada, end quote. Today, we'll find out what that means exactly. Get his reaction to the contract talks and deals between Unifor and FCA and Ford and find out how the pandemic is continuing to affect the Canadian auto industry. All that and more when I speak with Brian Kingston, the new head of the Canadian Vehicle Manufacturers Association, on this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. Brian, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me on. No problem, my pleasure. Um, You are the president and CEO of the Canadian Vehicle Manufacturers Association. Uh, In media, we always write that you quote, represent the interests of the Detroit Three in Canada, end quote. But what exactly does that mean? What does that entail? And and how exactly would you describe what it is that you do? Sure, yeah. So, you know, the CVMA is uh, the leading voice of auto manufacturers in Canada. So what does that mean? Well, first and foremost, um, what we do is we exist to provide a common auto sector perspective on issues that impact the industry. So, uh, you know, this could be everything from Uh, a regulation that uh, affects the workplace through to environmental issues, uh, electric vehicles, trade policy, you name it. Um, And, you know, fundamentally, what we want is to see the sector succeed here in Canada. So, you know, more investment in assembly and research and development, more employment, more sales, and the ability for Canadians to have access to safe, efficient, and high-technology vehicles. Um, So that's uh, the, the bread and butter of the organization, if you will. Um, but another really important uh, role that we play is is just trying to grow the understanding of the industry. And this isn't just for you know politicians and policymakers, um, but Canadians more broadly. It, it, it's hugely important to the Canadian economy and to our prosperity. And there are so many incredible stories to tell about the industry. So that's also part of our role is to just get out there and make sure that those stories are being told and people understand how the auto sector contributes to the country. You mentioned working toward a common goal, especially for those that you represent, and those are the Detroit Three. Um, I it, it made me wonder just now on the spot: um, should there be a common goal for the industry as a whole? And by that, I mean, do we need a national auto strategy? Is that something you and your members discuss uh, amongst yourselves or or with the governments? Um, because we often hear a lot of political parties, and especially Unifor call for a national auto strategy. And I just wonder if that's something we need or that's something that's ever looked at um, outside of Unifor. Well, we always look at, you know, how do you position Canada to be a competitive environment to build cars, to do research and development, and to attract investment here? So you could call it a strategy. You could call it a plan. Um, You know, I don't think the name necessarily matters. The key is, are we putting in place the policies and the programs to make sure that when global automakers are thinking about putting investment in in a country somewhere in the world that Canada is is on that list and we're seen as a good place to to do business fundamentally. 
what makes us attractive to to do business right now. Um, we know that the government has agreed to kick in some money for the Ford and the FCA uh, retooling for EVs, and we'll get to that. But I'm just wondering right now, sort of broadly speaking, what makes Canada an attractive place to do business if you're an automaker? Well, Canada uh, benefits from uh, a very important uh, piece of geography, and that happens to be that we sit beside uh, the United States of America, uh, the largest economy in the world. So that has always been a huge attraction uh, uh, for Canada, and this doesn't apply just to the auto industry. This is across the board. When you look at our trade profile, uh, the U.S. is is number one in terms of where we send uh, exports. So that, that will always make uh, Canada very attractive. More recently, uh, an area that's been a real focus of, of this government and uh, has, has really positioned Canada to be competitive is our immigration policies and the ability to bring in highly skilled talent from around the world in a relatively short period of time into this country. Uh, so I think that's an area that, you know, while that has been put on pause uh, because of the pandemic and, and, and the fact that immigration has slowed as a result. Um, but going forward, that's going to continue to be a real strong point for Canada, particularly in a sector like the auto industry, where there's just so much technological transformation taking place right now and, you know, huge amounts of money being invested into research and development and innovation. And, you know, you can't do that unless you have the right people and the right talent and skills. And I think Canada stands out as being a place where we can bring that all together. We're starting to see investment uh, in huge numbers compared to anything that's sort of in recent history. Um, of the Detroit Three so far, Unifor has ratified uh, new three-year deals with Ford and FCA, and each of those has pledged to spend more than a billion dollars to retool plants uh, to make electric and hybrid vehicles. Um, what was your reaction to those deals, uh, and, and what does this uh, investment mean to the Canadian auto industry? Well, you know, reaction is extremely positive. This is fantastic news for not just the sector and auto workers, but the, the Canadian economy writ large. And, you know, there's, there's really three reasons for that. Um, first of all, uh, we're, you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic, which has created uh, a massive uh, economic downturn. At the peak of this, three million Canadians had lost their jobs. And while we've seen uh, some recovery there, this is uh, an unimaginable economic downturn. And so to see companies invest in Canada at this time, into jobs that are are high, well-paying, high-skilled jobs. I mean, this is critically critically important, and particularly, you know, we're going to see an, a war for this type of investment going forward. Every country is in the same position that Canada is, where they're facing uh, an economic meltdown, and government's priority will be how do we create jobs, how do we attract investment. So, for Canada uh, to attract this investments of this scale at this time is is hugely important. Um, secondly. You know, the auto sector is a huge component of our export uh, portfolio. So when you think about what makes Canada a prosperous nation, it's because we're a trading nation. We're able to sell all of the things we produce to other countries around the world. We're a relatively small domestic market. So as we start to think about the economic recovery from this pandemic, the ability to, to have a thriving auto sector is going to be key. Autos, motor vehicles are our second largest export. Um, and so I think this is going to be really important to make sure that we actually come out of this 
uh, as as quickly as possible. And then the third point really just relates to the technological um, transformation that we see underway. I mean, the sector, as I mentioned, is is going through um, uh, huge leaps and bounds with respect to electrification, uh, autonomous driving, and connectivity. Um, so to see that um, Canada is as a place where some of this uh, assembly is going to be taking place for electric vehicles is really exciting. And even before this, we had uh, the announcement with General Motors putting a thousand engineers in, in Canada to do R&D. So it's just critical that we're part of this transformation. And, and I think these investments really uh, you know, signify that Canada is going to play a role in that. Um. To get that investment, uh, the federal and Ontario governments are both kicking in some tax money to help pay for the retooling. I'm curious, as a representative of the Detroit 3 here in Canada, uh, how involved were you before or, or during or after the negotiations, particularly when it came to getting the government on board to assist these automakers in the retooling? Did you have any role to play in that? What was it like if you did? No, so the CVMA doesn't get directly involved in company-specific labor negotiations. Um, that's not our role. Now, that said, what we we do have an indirect role in making sure that there is a fact-based debate underway around the importance of the auto sector. So, making sure that statistics are available on on the role of of the sector, the employment uh, importance, how much it contributes to our overall GDP. That's where CVMA uh, is involved. And we also have uh, a role to play in making sure that we actually have a competitive business environment so that when these negotiations take place in companies, these are global companies that can invest anywhere in the world, uh, when they're evaluating where you can make these types of investments, it's really important that Canada has uh, uh, you know, something that we can showcase uh, to attract that investment. So that's, that's part of CVMA's role, but not directly engaged in the negotiations. We'll hear more from Brian Kingston after this short break. The COVID-19 pandemic has had an unprecedented impact on the world's population and economy. Social distancing and self-isolation measures have taken consumers out of the auto retail market, while concern over worker safety continues in manufacturing facilities globally. An increasingly distressed supply base is facing the potential for large-scale liquidity issues, which may lead to increased M&A activity throughout the ecosystem. Significant uncertainty remains around the permanence of current consumer behaviors and the extent to which they will be able to re-engage with the sector. Through Deloitte's State of the Consumer Tracker series, we discuss timely data and trends and highlight key consumer insights. We also explore how behavioral preferences take shape over time to allow businesses to make strategic decisions in this dynamic market environment. The ongoing survey results are also available via an interactive dashboard, the Deloitte Global State of the Consumer Tracker. Check in every two weeks to explore new consumer insights and emergent trends. Welcome back to the show where I'm speaking with Brian Kingston, the new head of the Canadian Vehicle Manufacturers Association. The deals came um, during the height of the pandemic, really. I mean, a second wave um, ongoing right now. Um, and it's affected every aspect of the auto industry from sales. The factories were idled early on. I mean, there's no question there's going to be some long lasting effects. Uh, but I am curious uh, how the pandemic affects what it is you do personally. How has it changed your job, how you interact with dealing with folks from the Detroit 3 or the government or sales or whoever you have to speak with? I just wonder how your job personally has been affected by the pandemic and what changes. Sure. Yeah. Well, I uh, I changed jobs in the in the midst of uh, the pandemic, right at the, the height of the economic uh, correction 
which isn't uh, something I'd recommend people do. Uh, <laughs> we had gone totally to a work from home environment and I took on a new role uh, in a virtual world. Uh, so, you know, that was a whole new experience for me, uh, not able to meet my team in person um, uh, and my colleagues, you know, that I've, that's an experience that I had never imagined uh, going through. Um, however, um, you know, we've transitioned uh, pretty well to living uh, on Zoom and WebEx and, and doing everything virtually. Um, you know, I haven't had as much of an opportunity to go and visit uh, physical facilities. I did get a chance to see uh, Ford's uh, uh, Windsor engine plant, which was great. Um, but that's something that, you know, obviously I'm looking forward to doing, to, to learning more about the industry and actually getting to see it in action in person. Um, and, you know, with respect to our day-to-day -day business, um, everything that we used to do in person from, you know, meetings in Ottawa or meetings in Toronto uh, to appearing before parliamentary committees, that has all gone uh, online, which, you know, on, on the one hand, it makes things easier in the sense that you can schedule things because there's no travel time. Sure. Uh, but on, on the on the downside, obviously, it, it is nice to to meet people in person and, uh, and and get to know them over a coffee instead of through a screen. When you are talking to MPs or government officials, is it easier to make your point when you're in person? Do you find it a little uh, distant or difficult when you're doing it all online? Would you prefer to be in person to drive your point home and maybe read some body language and be able to get feedback? Sure. I mean, I think in person always helps for, for exactly that, the body language and, and, uh, you know, just the ability to get to know somebody a little bit more when you're, when you're actually, you know, having a coffee together. Um, you know, that said though, the, the advantage of, of virtuals that everyone's in the same boat and I, I find it's actually made things more efficient in many ways because you can schedule things, uh, much, much more closely together. So, uh, you know, <laughs> Sometimes I don't love being in front of a screen all day, but that's the reality. It's just back to back with meetings and calls and, uh, and uh, you know, pretty efficient in the way we're getting things done. What sort of long lasting effects do you see on the Canadian auto industry due to the pandemic? Do you see anything um, changing drastically or uh, remaining the same as it is now for, for a long period of time? I just wonder what the pandemic has done to it in sort of a permanent sense moving forward. Well, one of the things that I've been really grappling with recently is trying to understand how consumer behavior uh, will change because of the pandemic. Um, you know, when this first hit and, and the lockdowns occurred, for obvious reasons, most Canadians that were surveyed and, you know, if you ask them, is now a good time to make a major purchase? Should you go out and buy a new car? Um, the majority of people said, no, no, absolutely not. The, people are worried about their jobs, not sure when this would uh, would be over. But then interestingly, as this has gone on, now we're seeing intentions to uh, buy a vehicle increasing somewhat. And it's actually a direct result of the pandemic where people that perhaps used to have to use public transit, uh, they are they have concerns about that. So you may actually see permanent uh, changes in, in consumer behavior around vehicle ownership. I think it's it's way too soon to make any bold predictions, but there are definitely some uh, underlying trends that, that I'm watching and it will be interesting to see in five years out if this was a blip or if you actually see people changing their uh, purchasing behavior as a result. <laughs> well, you're right. There's no question. The economy, the auto retail segment, uh, it all continues to change, but also rebound. Um, to what degree, um, will the government assistance such as the Canadian emergency relief benefit, um, to what degree has that been responsible for it? And, and how long do you see that sticking around? Obviously we don't know for certain what happens when that ends, but I'm just wondering if that's been a part of it and if you'd like to see it continue. 
Well, there's definitely been uh, a huge amount of government support um, across the board into the Canadian economy, be it through the uh, the, the Canada Emergency Relief Benefit or uh, the uh, the Emergency Wage Subsidy, which really helped to prop up um, some of that uh, consumer spending in in the early phases of this. So it still is a big unknown. We don't know as those programs start to come off what the impact uh, will be. The forecast for the economy is still, you know, it is not looking great. And the longer that this uh, virus uh, is with us, the the more damaging the impact will be. And and as we saw, you know, just this week, uh, the, the finance minister signaling government support won't last forever. Yes, there is expansionist fiscal policy right now, um, but the government at some point will transition and start to identify a much more clear fiscal anchor, if you will, or a fiscal target. And that's going to mean rolling back some of these support programs. And, and then the question is, what's the impact on, on major purchases um, like a vehicle? So I think it's too soon to tell. But um, you know, one of the ideas that we're pr- proposing to government to help the sector uh, is uh, a scrappage program, uh, which would have the benefit of not just um, uh, actually stimulating new car purchases, but also helps the government achieve some of its environmental objectives by taking older vehicles off the road and turning the fleet over uh, more quickly. Do you have an idea of um, how much that benefit would be worth if you turned in a car? Do do you even know uh, what age of vehicle you'd like to turn in? I just wonder if you can uh, sort of enlighten me on what exactly that program would look like or what you're actually pushing for. Yeah, so we we proposed uh, that a, a program like that would apply to vehicles that are 12 years or older. Um, I think that would have, uh, you'd see a, a very big impact there on the environmental side uh, at that age. Um, in terms of the size and the incentive, you know, very much up to um, uh, government and what their, their various fiscal demands are. You know, the main challenge here, of course, is Many sectors uh, are in are in a very difficult period and, and have uh, ideas and proposals to help them recover. Um, and so, you know, we'll we'll have to see where government's able to kind of rank this in, in their overall uh, thinking as they approach the fall fiscal update and then eventually a budget um, next year. But I think, um, you know, there, there there's going to be need to help uh, the sector recover. We're looking at uh, sales declines this year of 18%. That's that's a bigger decline than what we witnessed during the financial crisis. And you know, depending what forecast you look at, you know, we may not return to 2019 levels until mid uh, 2022. So this is a long recovery ahead, and uh, there will be a need for some support in in the form of something like a scrappage program. In sticking with rebates for a minute or incentives for a minute, um, the investments that Ford and FCA have announced are in electric vehicle manufacturing. Uh, Ford has plans for five EVs in um, Oakville and FCA wants to build electric and or hybrids in uh, Windsor. Would you and your members like to see more EV rebates um, at least at the provincial level, we know the feds have one that goes across the board, but we know the prairie provinces don't really have EV programs. Uh, the conservatives under Doug Ford in Ontario scrapped the EV incentive there. Would you like to see some returned in Ontario and added in the prairies? Absolutely. Consumer incentives are are critical to EV adoption. And if you look at Canada's sales of EVs, 96% of plug-in sales have occurred in three provinces where we we either have rebates in place or they were in place. So BC, Ontario, and Quebec. So there's a di- absolutely direct correlation between uh, the size of a consumer incentive 
uh, and EV up- uptake. And you know, this isn't shouldn't be a surprise as the technology develops and 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 the price comes down. Um, that that will change. But we're in this period now where um, consumer incentives will help with adoption. I just know it's not all about incentives. They're critically important, but um, there's two other really key pieces here, and that is infrastructure. Uh, consumers need to be reassured that they can go out and and get their vehicle charged and reduce any sort of range anxiety that that may exist. Uh, And and then secondly, it's education. Um, There's still a lot to do uh, for uh, consumers around education, understanding how these vehicles work, how far they can go, you know, uh, addressing questions and concerns around recycling, you name it. There's a lot of work to be done. We've been uh, driving, uh, you know, ICE vehicles for a long time. Uh, So making sure that uh, consumers are educated about the opportunities, I think, is a really important piece of all of this. So how long do you see um, EV incentives and rebates sticking around? I mean, We've heard from some automakers who want them to go away already um, in some places. I just wonder how long do you see those being needed in order to sort of tip the scales uh, for the consumers to go buy electric vehicles? Well, I think, you know, to get to a point where uh, where you have adoption, you know, r- reaching uh, you know, your, your sort of average consumer, if you will, going out to buy a vehicle, we're, we're effectively going to have to be at uh, nearly um, price parity with a, an internal combustion engine. So, you know, it's impossible to predict what date that will be. Um, the technology with respect to batteries is, is advancing um, so rapidly. Um, but depending on, you know, who, who you uh, speak to or what forecasts you look at, it seems as though sort of late 2020 is, is the zone where you'll start to see those costs down to a point uh, where, where you achieve price parity. So it's, I think it's still very much a, a moving target, but uh, there's going to be a transition through that period. And that's why things like consumer incentives are so important to help as we get to that point. Uh, last question. The the uh, companies that you represent, there, there's no question that they have factories and facilities in all three countries that are um, in the NAFTA region. Um, they had expanded heavily and quickly in Mexico over the years. Now we've got some new investment in Canada um, this fall, or at least it was announced. The expansion begins in a couple of years. Uh, how much did the USMCA play into that, do you think? Is is that something that Canada can now take advantage of? Does the USMCA make us more competitive for manufacturing investment, particularly in electric vehicles? The USMCA was, you know, at the end of the day, it was, it was a defensive negotiation. The most important thing uh, that we did in the USMCA was to maintain our duty-free access into the United States for vehicles in particular, which uh, which are such a huge component of our exports. So, um, you know, I think to me that that is the big win. Uh, we we did no harm, which was uh, always the objective from day one to make sure that we continued to have that access. Because you know, in a worst case scenario where uh, there is an outcome where you 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 lost some of that access, um, suddenly Canada's main sort of competitive advantage fact that we sit beside the biggest economy in the world would have been gone. So to me, that's the big win. Uh, we kept our uh, we kept our existing uh, access into the states, and as a result, we can continue to build cars here and in, in, uh, send them to the U.S. Well, let's hope we continue to do that because we'll all be employed. Uh, you representing those companies, me covering uh, you and those companies. Um, uh, hopefully, things get back on track quickly. Uh, I appreciate the time. Uh, Very insightful. Much appreciated and uh, hope to have you on the show again. Uh, Maybe check in midway next year. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Happy to do it. And thanks for having me on. We reached Brian at his office in Ottawa.
If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glayson at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous shows on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. That does it for this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.